0: Christ clean me, yeah. Christ clean me, yeah. I ain't got a stain and I'm feelin' brand new, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Christ clean me, yeah. Christ clean me, yeah. I ain't got a stain and I'm feeling brand new, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 Listen, listen, yeah, 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 I ain't got a stain on me. Cause it's all by his grace, homie Gave his righteousness and I'm spotless Didn't earn it, but I still got it, yeah Not by my works Yeah, Now I'm in his church Ain't nothing I could earn Did it by his own, yeah, you know I didn't deserve I'm singing now Christ, clean me yeah. Christ, clean me yeah. I ain't got a stain and I'm feeling brand new, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Christ clean me, yeah. Christ clean me, yeah. I ain't got a stain and I'm feeling brand new, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Christ clean me, yeah. I was headed to I was a mess, my goodness is unworthiness, but now I'm feeling brand new, I ain't worried about a thing, He's glory now I sing, yeah, got a new mind, got a new heart, glory to God who art, worthy of all praises, by tongue tribes and nations, he dressed us in this white robe, his righteousness we now clothe. glory to God in Christ alone, glory to God in Christ alone, y'all. Yeah. We chop it up properly without an apology. Gotta get that sology to God Halloween. Cause this is how we do it at all things theology. Well, Grace and Peace, Grace and Peace. Welcome back to another episode of All Things Theology. This is your host, K Dub, and today I'm gonna to be joined by Justin Peters. We're gonna talk about some word of faith theology, give a history and inform you on some of that. Good to have you, Justin. I think right now you're uh, muted. If you can unmute, uh, that would be great. But man, it's uh, like I've already told you, a pleasure to have you on. And uh, let's see. Oh, there it is. There it is. We got it. Okay.
1: All right. (laughs) Good to have you. Brother, good to be with you. Yeah, it's an honor to come on your program. Thank you so much for the invitation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's
0: let's get it right into it. Um, I know you you grew up in kind of word of faith theology kind of had that background I myself grew up in that and um, man I'm sure we can go on stories about stuff experienced. T- tell me about kind of the upbringing and upbringing in word of faith and kind of how you kind of got out of that
1: yeah sure sure brother so um I was raised in a rear rather in a Southern Baptist Church born mm-hmm. into a Southern Baptist Church so on paper, we were not Word of Faith at all, uh, right. Southern Baptist, but there was a, a family in the church, one man in particular named Charlie, and uh, Charlie was very much Word of Faith, hmm. even though at the time I didn't know there was such a thing as Word of Faith. I'd never even heard of it. But uh, Charlie was one who was uh, following, you know, Benny Hinn and uh, Kenneth Hagin at the time. Uh, H- Hinn was just kind of just becoming a blip on the radar back then, but mm. uh, Hagen and Copeland, he was big into, and and um, so he lived right down the street from my parents, where where I was reared. And Charlie came up to me one day, and he said, "Justin, God has spoken to me, mm. and He's told me that He's going to heal you, mm. as long as you have enough faith." Mm. And so uh, I was 16 years old at the time, and at that age, you know, I wanted to be healed. I wanted to to run, play sports, play football, do all the things that my friends are doing, drive, which, I mean, I can now, but at the time, I didn't think I would ever be able to drive. Um, so I, I really latched on to it. He told me about a woman named Nora Lam, L-A-M, uh, who was a, a Chinese woman. And she wrote a book entitled China Cry, in which she detailed how God supposedly delivered her out of communist China back in the 60s. And um, a very dramatic tale of her escape. She says she escaped a firing squad. She said that she carried her firstborn child in her womb for 12 months, 12 months, um, (laughs) just so she could get out of communist China before uh, she had the baby. And so I I found out years later that pretty much everything she told about herself was was made up, just a lie, which is typical in this movement. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, I didn't know any of that at the time, of course. And uh, Charlie was... um, You know he's always getting a dream always getting a vision he's one of these people that god seemed to talk to more than he ever did to moses you know he's just one of (laughs) one of these guys and yeah and uh, i didn't know anything about hermeneutics and so he had me he was he would have me down to his house and he would show me verses like isaiah 53 4 and 5 by his stripes we are healed Mm -hmm. and uh he healed them all and uh third john 2 beloved i pray that in all things you may prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers and and, uh, of course he was, and I don't, honestly, I don't even know if he knows or he knew, I don't know if he knew he was taking these verses out of context, but, uh, I understand now that's what he was doing, but I was completely convinced that I was going to be healed. And so, uh, she was having, Norland was having a miracle crusade there in Vicksburg, Mississippi, my hometown. And I, I went there fully expecting to be healed. And of course I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, uh she made a big, big push for money, and she said, the more money you give to the Lord's work, the more likely it is he will answer your prayers. Mm-hmm. She actually told that specifically to my father um, when he questioned her why she wouldn't come up. She would go up to other sick people, well, quote-unquote sick people, uh, people who had something wrong with them that you couldn't readily see, you know, ringing in your ears bad back shoulder pain that kind of stuff you know <laughs> conditions that you can't really see All Right. but uh she wouldn't come anywhere near me <laughs> uh, so or my friend who was there with me who's who also had several palsy so she wouldn't come anywhere near us but she did uh tell my dad uh the more money you give to the lord's work the more likely it is to answer your prayers she was trying to get money out of him hmm. not that we were wealthy or anything but um so that was my first exposure to it, and and uh, I went to see some other faith healers in hopes of being healed. So even though we weren't word of faith, there was, and, and the sad thing, Chris, is that nobody, nobody in my church at the time, a Southern Baptist church, nobody had enough theological wherewithal to pull me aside and say, well, A, nobody had enough theological wherewithal to take Charlie, who was a man in his 50s at the time, mm. and say, Charlie, your theology is wrong. This is not what we believe. You're deceiving, you know, Justin, and nobody had enough theological wherewithal to do that or to come to me and say, Justin, this is not biblical. Faith healers aren't biblical. This right. is not of God. This is, and uh, so anyway, but years later in my 20s, I uh, enrolled in seminary. I went to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. And and by that time, I had figured out that it was not biblical. But I, I had an interest in it, and I began to study this movement at a more academic level. Mm. And long story short, I ended up writing my master's thesis on Benny Hinn and the Word of Faith movement wow. for my master of theology program. And so as part of the research for that, uh, this was in Fort Worth. And from time to time, Benny Hinn would come to dfw and and have a big crusade Mm -hmm. and so this was 2001 2002 and he was at the at that time he was kind of at the zenith of his popularity he's a shadow of what he was back then today Mm -hmm. but um i went to see some crusades interestingly uh costi hen benny hen's nephew Mm -hmm um, who's now delivered out of that stuff. But at the time he was a catcher for his uncle. Yeah, he would yeah. catch people. And we figured out uh, a few years ago that he and I were at some of the same Benny Hinn crusades together, just wow. on opposite ends of the <laughs> theological spectrum. So, um, uh, but, uh, so I wrote my master's thesis on Benny Hinn and, and, uh, did a deep dive on that. And, and, uh, and then a church in Alabama in 2004, uh, heard of my research and they invited me in to speak on the Word of Faith movement at their mm-hmm. church, mm-hmm. and um, that was this was October of 04 and that was the first time I did kind of the early version of what I now call Clouds Without Water, right. and and honestly, ever since then, brother, it is has just uh, it's taken me all over the world, yeah. um, and I've taught on this yeah in thirty different countries now, wow. so. Wow.
0: Yeah. So I I kind of grew up in I, I I tell people it's like a Pentecostal Baptist Catholic kind of upbringing. It was it mm. was a mishmash of literally everything. There was no yeah. cohesive, like systematic doctrine. So, I mean, growing up, I mean, people falling out was very normal. I, I mean, I thought that was, you know, very Christian, you know, um, um, at 19, I believe I was truly genuine, genuinely converted. And the only church I know to go to is, I mean, the church that, you know, down the street that I went to when I was an unbeliever, you know, and I start going there and I'm kind of thinking, okay, this is, you know, speaking in tongues and kind of the experiential stuff. Right. I thought that was what it was all about. And, you know, I start, you know, but the more I more I read my Bible, the more and more I got uncomfortable with some of the things they were saying and teaching. And then the Lord just happened to bring a man who. Really discipled me, but oddly enough, he never pointed the finger at the church and was like, he just taught me stuff, and I was just like, wait, my church t- teaches totally opposite of what you're saying, you know? I was like getting the uh-uh. connections, yeah. and it was difficult for for me because like these were friends, you know, these people I you know knew for a long time, and but at some point I was just like, I was just being convicted even going there, like well, I I just can't stay in this church knowing what I believe to be true. And this is totally different. God really, we're, we're worshiping, you know? Right. Um, And funny enough. So I I leave this church, but I'm kind of like, I'm not word of faith, but I don't know what, (laughs) what I am, you know? Uh And so I started watching some of your material and man, it just like, wow, this, this makes, this was what I was trying to articulate, you know, to a lot of my word of faith friends. I didn't have the language, to like tell them how wrong it was. I just knew it was wrong. You know, it's not saying what the scripture saying. saying. Um, could you right. do this? Uh, Cause you go into it in your, uh, your clouds without water series, um, sharing the history of some of the word of faith. Where, where does this stuff come from? Because if you were anything like me growing up, you just think this is how it always been, right? This is book of acts Christianity. And could you share like the history of this movement?
1: Yeah, sure, brother. So it's a it's 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 a mishmash of of different things. Mm-hmm. It is uh, it's got some metaphysical cultic theology and philosophy mixed in with it, uh, like Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. Gnostics believed in secret knowledge that they mm-hmm. could attain through the the uh, disengagement of the mind, and so uh, you've got Gnosticism in there. You've got New Thought in there. The belief that your thoughts, whether good or bad, positive or negative thoughts, will bring positive or negative things to you—they'll mm-hmm. uh, somehow engage universal laws of attraction and uh, will will bring good or positive or or uh, positive or negative things to you. So you've got that, um, and then the 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 incipient uh, the beginnings of this movement go back well you could look at uh, Phineas Quimby who was into new thought you could also uh, point to a guy named John Alexander Dowie who is regarded as one of the first forerunners of the modern uh, American Pentecostal movement John Alexander Dowie was a fraud he was a charlatan he was actually a very mean wicked man uh, he had his own cult and people people died under his um, leadership and he, he denied, he taught that, that if you go to see a doctor, then that's a sign of lack of faith. Hmm. He disparaged doctors and medicine. Was this the same,
0: was this the same gentleman that had the story about throwing the baby? I I think you, you shared a story. Was that Tim?
1: Yeah, no, no, that's, uh, that's a little bit later. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but it, there's a direct line from John Alexander Dowie to uh, Smith Wigglesworth. Okay, is who there is. You're about.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, um, uh, and then after Dowie, you've got Charles Fox Parham, who was the forerunner of the. He was actually the first, the the leader in, in earnest of the American Pentecostal movement. He's the one that began it, and uh, speaking in tongues first broke out with Parham and his leadership, and and then. Uh, William Seymour, uh, the Azusa revival. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then that kind of fractured off cause you had within that group, you had some oneness Pentecostals mm-hmm. who deny the Trinity, but then you had some Trinitarian Pentecostals. And so it kind of fractured. Right. And, uh, but then it, it led to who you're talking about Smith Wigglesworth. This was, um, an English and by English. I don't mean American, a, a Welsh really, um, uh, Pentecostal, preacher who was into faith healing and he was known for, uh, kicking people and punching people. He claimed to have the ability to see demons attached to people. And if you're sick, it's because you had a demon attached to you. Mm. And so if you've got cancer, you've got the demon of cancer. If you've got, uh, you know, muscular dystrophy, you've got the demon of muscular dystrophy. And of course he believed, um, the only way to dislodge said demon was to punch it or to kick it off of people, you know? Wow, wow. And uh, so yeah, he's the one that, the story is that took a two month old baby who was dying of something and threw it against the wall because God told him to do that. Hmm. You know, I could go on and on, Chris. You you look at the leaders of this movement, Amy Simple McPherson, Catherine Kuhlman, William Mm -hmm. Branham, um, another guy named Frank Sanford, you look at all, of, all of the, who the charismatics referred to as God's generals, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the revered leaders, John G. Lake is another one to a man and to a woman, they were heretics. They were scoundrels, just scam artists. Uh, some of them were violent and most, if not all of them were sexually immoral, mm-hmm. That's your heritage. As if you're in the Word of Faith movement, um, sorry, but that, thats your heritage. Those are your; those are the God's generals. It, the the history of the Charismatic movement is not a good one. Now, in mm-hmm. fairness, uh, not all charism not all Charismatics are Word of Faith, mm-hmm. but the vast, vast majority of them are. They fall into the Word Faith somewhere on the Word Faith New Apostolic Reformation spectrum. So the it would be a tiny minority of the charismatic movement that would be like guys like uh, Wayne Grudem and Sam Storms and mm-hmm. John Piper. That's the tiny, that's the fringe of the charismatic movement. Mm-hmm. So um, the vast majority of it, you know, that's that, Those are the people that they look to uh, right. as their generals, and they were all absolute reprobates, mm-hmm. disgusting, evil scoundrels. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's not good history.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm listening to you talk about you know some of the uh, characteristics of these men, and I, I'm seeing very similar uh, characteristics of charismatics today. You know, you have the deliverance ministry guys. Um, yeah, they also believe Christians can have demons. You made a correlation with that yeah. earlier about um Todd Bentley punching people, right? Um yeah. he's getting that yeah. from older. So it seems like man, this this is nothing new. What we're seeing today, it's no. it's a um, Many, many times a copycat of uh, people from, you know, earlier in history, would you would you say that? Would you agree with that?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned Todd Bentley. Well, Mm. Todd Bentley's inspiration was Smith Wigglesworth, the guy that threw a two month old baby against Waller claimed that he did. So, um, yeah, what we're seeing today with Todd Bentley and even. Uh, Todd White, you know, who goes around lengthening people's legs—that's mm-hmm. a—that's an old trick that charlatans <laughs> have been doing for close to a hundred years. It's right. um, Todd White has just made it popular with the advent of YouTube and stuff sure. like that. And right. so, yeah, there's really nothing new under the sun. These are—it's just the uh, same warmed-over doctrines, warmed-over. Um, techniques and practices scam artists and it's just a, a new iteration of what has gone before and um, um mike todd michael mm-hmm. todd i know you've done some videos yeah. on him uh same thing you know he's he teaches the same kind of stuff that uh kenneth copeland and kenneth Hagen have taught it's just updated and he's a younger hipper version of it but uh so All right. yeah same old thing and yeah i've heard um uh, John MacArthur made an interesting observation one time, and I thought it was really helpful and insightful. He said that the charismatic movement is doubt looking for proof. Hmm. Doubt looking for proof. And the, the dirty little secret of the charismatic movement is, is that whether they admit it or not, the vast majority, maybe not all, but the vast majority of charismatics are absolutely riddled with doubts about the Bible and Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so in a way to satiate those doubts and allay those doubts, put them to bed, that is why they are constantly searching after the next big thing, mm-hmm. the next experience, the mm-hmm. next dream, the next vision, the next buzz, the next uh, person who claims to have been to heaven and Signs and wonders and angel feathers and gold dust. It's like this endless hamster wheel. You see what I mean? Oh, yeah, it's this endless hamster wheel of of moving from one spiritual buzz to the next Mm. Because they don't really believe what they say they believe, right? So they're constantly searching after these experiential things
0: Doesn't doesn't it always get down to that? Like is the Bible enough? Like, I mean every movie liberalism, right? it's it's ultimately mm-hmm. a denial of the sufficiency of god's word you know and right. it's it, that's been the the thing since the beginning right since satan in the garden um yep. so since we're talking about word of faith how about this how about we lay out some theological distinctions so what makes somebody word of faith like how would you describe that like um you know how would you put someone in that camp or category outside of them just claiming they are word of faith
1: yeah, 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 and a lot of people think uh, word of faith is a denomination. A, a church doesn't have to be word of faith to, you know, like have word of faith on their sign out right. The, right. Out, the, out by the road or something. It's it's a it's a set of um, theological beliefs and and philosophy and approach to doing church. So uh, all word of faith are not. Excuse me. Wait. Not all charismatics are word of faith, but all word of faith are charismatic. So it begins with the charismatic position, the belief that all of the uh, all of the spiritual gifts, including the sign gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, um, prophecy in the sense of foretelling the future, that kind of thing, uh, the gift of healing, that all of those gifts are still operative in the church today. So that is the charismatic position. And from there, uh, once you take that position, then the doors have been flung open to the Word of Faith movement and New Apostolic Reformation. Uh, And some of those distinctives are uh, doctrines like positive confession, that you as a believer, you can speak things into existence, that your words have creative power, Mm -hmm. whether good or negative, uh, and they actually do teach this that you can speak things. Creflo Dollar uh, directly says, uh, he says, and I quote, I've just seen it so many times I've had it memorized. He said, I quote, and I quote, as spiritual beings who possess the nature of God, you have the ability to speak things into existence just like God did. So, our, our, wow. we can speak things into existence, yeah, just like God. Yeah. Um, there, you know, you see this fleshed out in a lot of ways. I'll say. Oh, if you get if you if you get sick, don't confess that. Right. Don't speak it because right. your words have inherent creative power in and of themselves. And if you say you're sick, well, then you're really going to be sick. So, <laughs> right. so don't speak it. You know, um, uh, they you know believe that they can control the weather through their words mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so that's one doctrine. Another is the little gods doctrine. The belief that if you are a Christian, you are in fact a little God, uh, that you have the same attributes and qualities that God does. Uh, In fact, it's gotten so bad now, Chris, in the Word of Faith movement, they've pretty much dropped the little from the little God's doctrine. I mean, they they flat out teach now that if you're a Christian, you are equal to God. Mm -hmm. I mean... Kenneth Copeland teaches this. Jesse Duplantis teaches this. Andrew Walmick teaches this. You know, they you're if you're a Christian, you are on equal footing with God Himself. Wow. And that is really what gives rise to the emphasis on health and wealth. Mm-hmm. Because you're a God. Right. And a God cannot be poor, and a God certainly cannot be sick. So right. it, it's much, much more than just an infant, just a, a You know, health and wealth. A lot of people think, oh, they're just kind of off on some uh, peripheral things. You know, they have too much emphasis on money and healing, and you know. But other than that, they're pretty much they're Christian. No, the the teaching on health and wealth is just some of the bad, low hanging fruit off of a rotten theological tree—a tree that is dead and rotten at its core because they teach that we are, in fact. Gods, yeah oh, yeah,
0: I can remember uh being young young in the faith, uh still at this word of faith church, and this this will let you know everything about this church because it had a woman pastor uh there yeah. I, I know there's there been controversy over that lately, but yeah it had a woman pastor there, and i I was asking about this verse in Romans four which talks about um you know uh it says about who gives life to the dead and calls existence to the things that do not exist, and I m- remember asking. <laughs> a little shame about asking a woman pastor early in my Christian days but God grows us, right but I was right. asking about the, the and you know and she goes and tells us hey that's that's talking about how we can you know uh speak things into existence and you know I've I recently heard uh Jesse Deplanis also he uses this verse and it's clear yep. but this verse is clearly referring to God being the one who uh you know calls things that do not exist into existence right, right? but and right. so so there's a very um, I noticed very early on, almost an exchange of uh, roles in the Word of Faith, uh, like you know, things where God clearly does, Word of Faith preachers will contribute that yeah. to them, and yeah. thing that man is supposed to do, it's like they'll tell, it's essentially like them ordering God around. Like I even heard yeah. uh, Mike Todd saying, you know, things like God needs us. Um, yeah. And Miles Monroe was, I mean, you listen to old clips, he's He's just getting it from miles run row. And so yeah. just a very yeah. uh anthropocentric way of viewing God. Would you see that as a correlation between many of the word of faith teachers as well?
1: Oh yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. They demote God and they deify man. They right. they reduce God See, in the Word of Faith movement, faith is not placed in God. Faith is a force that you direct at God to make him do whatever you want him to do. Mm -hmm. And I tell people it's really ironic when you think about it that these people who call themselves faith preachers, uh, they don't even know what faith is. They they literally have a fundamental misunderstanding of what faith actually is. Uh, But yeah, they reduce God to basically your cosmic bellhop god exists to serve you you know whatever you want uh that's what god is there for and he he, you know he's he's your cosmic bellhop and you he's a a genie in fact uh just as i say that uh jen johnson who is the Mm -hmm. daughter-in-law of bill johnson Mm -hmm. there's a clip out of uh, from her several years ago i have it in my seminar but uh she says that uh the holy spirit reminds her of the genie in aladdin and, uh, and she, you know, she, she, she says he's funny and he's sneaky and he's blue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's but that that's that's a pretty accurate, you know, and she made that comment on three different occasions. Because in this clip, she's wearing three different outfits. So, it was, you know, it's three different times. And Bill Johnson is sitting right there in the audience listening to her, mm-hmm. giving his approval. Uh, so but that shows you what a low view of God they actually have. Uh, this movement that claims to have such a high view of the Holy Spirit. No, they have a very low, diminished view of the Holy Spirit. They reduce him to their genie. And basically, you rub the genie's lamp with your faith, and the genie pops out, and he gives you whatever you want. That mm-hmm. That's their view of God. Right. And, and it's a dis disgusting, uh, low view of God. It's insulting. It's blasphemous. So um, I tell people it is not we who have a low view of the Holy Spirit. That's what they say. Oh, All right. you know, J- J- I can't tell you how many times I've heard this. Yeah. Justin doesn't believe in the in the Holy Spirit. He doesn't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't believe in the gifts, you know, <laughs> like, no, 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 no. My view of the Holy Spirit is far, far too high. Exactly. Wow, for that kind of nonsense and in and you you blame God for your theology. You know you claim you got it from a direct revelation from God. No, my view of the Holy Spirit is far too high to allow for that.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: amen to that. Um, you know you'll.
0: It's 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 just strange how you know God told me becomes this moniker of all the crazy yeah. things that you know these people say. Um, so let me ask you this: What's the danger of appealing to? revelation outside of God's word. Like what, what's the big deal, right? Like, Hey, isn't God speaking to them, right? As some of them will claim, Hey, he's speaking, right. He's still speaking today. Right. So what's the danger of this?
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, that I tell you, that is one of the most dangerous things you can teach, uh, that, and they, you hear this in the charismatic movement all the time. God spoke to me. God told me to tell you this. God gave me this revelation. He, you know, this prophecy, this vision. Um because it's it's kind of um in a sense like the ultimate trump card. Right. Because if you if you say, "Oh, no, I don't I don't I don't know about that." Well, God told me. <laughs> and you don't want to question God, dude. That's right. That's right. It, it's kind of the ultimate trump card and so it's a it is a way of buttressing themselves. It's a way of lifting themselves up mm-hmm. to be spiritually superior to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't don't question the man of God. Don't question in the charismatic movement the woman of God because women preach as much as men touch,
0: do. Touch not thou
1: anointed. You know? Touch not. <laughs> thy, yeah. Touch not my anointed. Don't criticize me you know, we'll take that out of context too. So, um, I always say,
0: I always say to them, well, aren't I anointed, you know, like, so, so what, so why are you disagreeing with me? Which is kind of how they use the word touch, Yeah, yeah. you know, don't disagree with the
1: anointed one. Right. Right. Yeah. Don't disagree. Yeah. (laughs) In context though, it's actually referring to doing physical harm. Exactly. Not to, uh, critiquing or criticizing (laughs) or questioning their, their beliefs. So exactly. But, um, (laughs) Uh, they never let the Bible get in the way of their theology. so that <laughs> But it, That's it's, right. uh, it is, it's so dangerous, Chris, because, uh, I mean, when you look, when you look through the, just some of the last few centuries of, of church history, um, or let's go back a little bit further. I, I've, I've actually been working on some stuff on Islam and, uh, Mormonism and I've, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's fascinating. When you, look at the, when you look at the life of Muhammad and Joseph Smith, they're eerily similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of these men claim that an entity, mm-hmm. uh, a being, appeared to them. And initially they were both scared of it, but then they became convinced, no, this really is of God. And uh, uh, Muhammad even describes it as a, a being of light. So, you know, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, right? So, uh, in, in from from these two men who both claim, oh, God spoke to me, let me tell you what he has to say. Now we have two huge false religions, mm-hmm. Mormonism and Islam, that were begun in almost identical ways. And I have no way of proving or disproving this. It's just kind of a something that I, uh, with a little bit of a, uh, sanctified speculation and, and an educated guess. I wouldn't be surprised. I'll put it this way. I wouldn't be surprised one day if we find out in heaven that it was the same demon that appeared to both Joseph Smith and Muhammad. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. at that at all. Yeah. Very similar stories. Um, yeah. It's it's a very dangerous thing. It divorces people. This emphasis on personal revelations and dreams and visions. It divorces people from their reliance upon scripture because you go into a typical charismatic church today uh, and you don't find people digging into the text. Mm. They're not studying the written word. Mm. They're there to hear the latest. (laughs) What did God tell you this week? You know, the latest vision, the latest dream, the latest word of knowledge you got, that's what they're, that's what they're there for. Um, And on top of all that, is you're putting words in god's mouth that he didn't say all right that's the main issue here you're putting words in god's mouth that he emphatically did not say and that is an extraordinarily serious thing to do god takes that very very seriously and uh prescribed the death penalty in the old testament for people who did that now we yeah. don't live theocracy anymore we don't live in israel old testament israel so we don't do that of course mm-hmm. But um, but that is how seriously God takes it. When you put words in God's mouth that He didn't say, boy, I tell you what, you are treading on some very very thin ice. Yeah. And um and but in the charismatic movement, Chris, unfortunately, it's just not a big deal to do that.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. You know, because I can't think of like one word of faith teacher who hasn't give given some kind of false prophecy, and. Right you know to me i'm like that 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 would be the end of my ministry if if i if, if i believe yeah. what the bible said about it like hey I, i'm no longer giving no prophecy none of that yep. i'd step down but they just kind of like they'll have some kind of nuance to it like oh well this is why it didn't happen you know yeah. um even though they they'll say right. It, they'll be stronger in their prophecy on it is going to happen. You know, Trump's going to be president, you know, second term. <laughs> right. And how many right. of them were, were like, you can't even get a 50% prophecy. Like, why should no. I trust you on, on anything right. else? You know?
1: <laughs> no, I, I tell people I have this sitting on my desk. I don't know. Can you see what <laughs> yeah, that I can, is? I can see that. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Magic eight right. ball. Right. There is more, there is more prophetic power in this. <laughs> than there is in in all of the charismatic prophets. That That's together. right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So
0: they're, they're big on prophecy. Uh, another thing they're big on is, um, yeah, and you kind of spoke on it, this, um, you know, healing, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Emphatic on healing. I would even go on to say, so someone comes up like yourself, Hey, Justin, you know, you need a healing. Um, God's going to heal you. and, if when it doesn't happen, typically, I mean, I would say even usually majority of the time, the emphasis is put back on the person on why they didn't get yep. healed. You right. you lacked faith. You didn't, you know, give you didn't do X, Y, Z. Therefore, you didn't get the healing. Uh, how how would you respond kind of to that situation we see a lot of times?
1: All the time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the more heartbreaking things of this movement is because mm-hmm. They teach that it is always God's will to be healed, always. Yep. yep. Um, no exceptions. Mm-hmm. So if you begin with that premise that it is always God's will to be healed and a person hears this and they are sick, they are in a wheelchair, they have muscular dystrophy, they have a sick child you know, who was born with some kind of debilitating disease or disability and they hear this and so they pray, Lord, heal me, heal my spouse, heal my child, and they pray for this for for days and days and weeks and weeks and months and years and some people even for decades, but the healing does not come, then the question is whose fault is it? By definition, it cannot be God's fault because he's perfect. Exactly. So the only other one to whom to look is the one who is sick. If you're sick, it's your fault. It's your lack of faith. It's your uh, lack of giving because they say, you know, you need a miracle. You need a you sow a seed. Sow a seed. Yeah. That's right. Sow a seed. Give me money. You know, sow that seed of faith. That's right. And and the bigger miracle you need, the bigger monetary seed that you'd better sow. Right. So you know, if you've got a head cold, well, maybe not so much seed for that. But boy, if you've got a kid with cancer, whoo, you better dig deeply. All right. And 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 that's that is one of the most disgusting and heartbreaking things about this movement is that. You look at Jesse Duplantis and Kenneth Copeland and Creflo Dollar and all these Joyce Meyer and all of them, they are, they're gazillionaires. I mean, they are they're they're not millionaires. They're multi multi tens at least, multiple tens of millions of dollars millionaires, right. flying in private jets and driving Bentleys and you know and all and that wealth comes from an awful lot of poor people, desperate people, sick people, mm-hmm. widows. And they're hearing this garbage on television, some of them in their churches, and, and they're desperate and they send in money, hoping that, that God will bless them, hoping that God will heal them or heal their child. Yeah. And that's how these prosperity preachers have gained such incredible, fabulous wealth. And so uh, it is just, there's nothing redeeming about it. It is just, uh, it's a wicked, wicked system. It's evil, and and if there's if there's anything worse than exploiting the poor and the sick, it is the reproach that they bring upon the name of Christ. Mm. That's the worst thing: is the mm. reproach that they're bringing upon the name of Christ. So, um, you know, but you know, de- dealing with the healing, they rob people, Chris, not only of money, but they rob people of the blessing that it is to be afflicted whether it's mm. sickness or a handicap or some other kind of trial uh, because god uses these things in our lives right to mm-hmm. make us dependent upon him amen and and there is a there is a the bible has a theology of suffering absolutely for the saint but there's no place for that in the word of faith movement there's no place for that in the n-a-r in the prosperity gospel just yeah, no it's just no place for
0: it's me. the it's the devil's fault right it's it's uh yeah it's they in one sense they view suffering as demonic, right, yep. whereas you know you read the Bible and I mean, you see texts where God's granting suffering um right you know saying right. suffering is to produce this godly character, et cetera, you know, and it's yep. like it's like you said they, they yeah, they're robbing people of a sanctifying means God is using That's in right. our life um and uh you kind of touched on this about you know the healing um it really makes you look inward. Like what's, what's wrong with me? Like I'm not mm-hmm. doing enough. And I would, I would argue you probably never feel sufficient in your, well, in some mm-hmm. sense you never feel that way, but um, you know, they, they just put the emphasis on you so much to why, you know, yep. life is, you know, from their perspective, life is going so badly. You're, you know, you're struggling with health. Um, well, you don't get healed. You're the problem, lack of faith. And yeah. I, I have seen people, I mean, striving with their whole being, searching for a healing, and they'll turn around and tell them that person still does not have faith. It Man, yep. it's, like you said, that's practically where it gets dangerous. Um, yeah. And so yep. another issue, uh, you know, I, and I, funny enough, this, this was the hardest issue for me to kind of let go when I was uh, in the coming out of charismaticism. And it was because I think it was because the only thing I really could – I say do, but mimic, I'll say that. And that's speaking in tongues, right? I never Mm -hmm. prophesied. I never healed anybody. Right. (laughs) But I could mimic uh, speaking in tongues. Um, And I remember, I think for me, why it was so kind of, uh, I don't know, supernatural spiritual was because of how people got treated once they speak, spoken tongues, like almost like you were this spiritual guru, this giant Right. Like, oh, he's really holy. You know, he can speak in tongues. Um Maybe you could talk about speaking in tongues a bit and kind of even that attitude about that as well.
1: Yeah, sure. It's a fascinating history because uh, I think, as I mentioned earlier, uh, it goes back to Charles Fox Parham. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where tongues first broke out. This was in the uh, 1900, actually. Um, and initially in these early Pentecostals, Chris, they had. Basically, the right theology on tongues in that they rightly believed that the gift of tongues was the ability to speak in a known human language. It just wasn't known to the one speaking it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was their initial theology, and they were right about that. Mm -hmm. That is the the genuine gift of tongues. So, um, believing that, they sent off some of their students from uh, Bethel Bible College, is what it was called, uh, to Japan, China, and India believing that once they got there, God would give them the ability to speak in those native languages and they would be able to converse and preach the gospel and communicate. Yeah. Well, once the boats landed on those shores, they got out and it didn't take very long to realize pretty much, uh, I can't understand a word these folks are saying, they can't understand me. <laughs> That's right. And so they came back in complete failure. And it was only then that Pentecostal said, oh, wait a minute, sorry um, yeah, about that. We, we got that wrong. The gift of tongues is actually speaking in unintelligible, ecstatic gibberish. Mm -hmm. And that has been the charismatic view on tongues ever since then. Mm. It's, it's fascinating when you, when you look at the history of it, but, uh, yeah, you can teach a canary how to speak in tongues. You know, it's just a a learned behavior. You've learned how to do it. Uh, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that used to be in the charismatic movement. God delivered them out of it. But even though they are now cessationists, they're right where you and I are theologically, um, they still have the ability to speak in tongues. And they can yeah. do it at the drop of a hat. It's just yeah. a learned behavior. Right. So um, the the genuine gift of tongues, it would be like me all of a sudden being able to speak speak uh, fluent Swahili. You know, it's it's a known language. It's just not known to me. Right right. and um, the gift of tongues had a purpose; it served the purpose of uh, a sign of judgment against unbelieving Israel. Mm -hmm. It was never a prayer language or anything like that. Um, So it's yeah, everything that the charismatics today teach about tongues is just erroneous. Yeah, it's it's not biblical.
0: You know, I've heard the craziest things about speaking in tongues. You probably heard similar things, and I. to my shame, I guess. I, I, I remember even teaching some of these things. Um, so when I was, so I got converted at 19 and funny enough, like right when I got converted, I was even doing preaching. Um, so some of this mm-hmm. stuff, uh, it's kind of like, man, I, I know exactly what's happening to like these young preachers. Like, cause I, who knows if it wasn't for God's grace, this could have been me. But when it comes to yeah. speaking in tongues, um, I mean, I can remember telling people, you know, the devil. The reason why you pray in tongues because the devil, he can't hear that. You know, that's God's holy you know? language, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> I, know. So I got told that. Did you hear anything like that uh, or probably still today?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. You hear this all the time. <laughs> I, I've heard it from so many people when you pray in tongues. Uh, what they'll say is when you pray in tongues, you're you're praying in the tongues of angels yes. and Satan can't understand the tongues of angels. So you're praying in a, in a way, in a, in a language that Satan can't understand you. So if you ever want to, you know, talk to God so that Satan doesn't know what you're talking about, <laughs> then pray in tongues. And I think, no, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. If, right. if, you're, if praying in tongues is praying in the tongues of angels and Satan is not supposed to understand that, what is Satan? Right. <laughs> He's an angel. Right. He's a fallen angel, but he's an angel. So, right. if you want to pray in some language that Satan does not understand, then the tongues of angels would be the last language <laughs> I would mention praying in. I mean, pray in yeah. French or something. That'd be right. better than the tongues of angels. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's laughable.
0: Yeah, it is. Who are some of the some big, big word of faith names that are out there today? Uh, because I think most people know of the Joel Osteens, right? The, the Kenneth Copelands. Maybe who, yeah. even some up-and-coming Word of Faith people. Uh, I know on this channel people are familiar with Mike Todd because we've, we've talked about him a mm-hmm. lot, but maybe yep. some other people.
1: Yeah, Mike Todd, uh, Todd mm-hmm. White, mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the Bethel crowd, and, and even though Bill Johnson is a bit older now, but um, Bethel Church in Redding, California, that is dominated by young people. Right. That's, you know young people from all over the world flock to Bethel church in Redding, California. So Bill Johnson, Chris Valatin, uh, Sean Bowles, uh, some of those guys, um, did I say Todd White? Yeah. Uh, Joseph, Joseph Prince is another Mm -hmm. one and he's very popular, very, very popular in the last 15 years or so. And he's got a massive uh, following of young people. And, and then the, uh, Michael Coulianos, uh from the Jesus image uh, in Florida. Michael Koulianos is Benny Hinn's mm. son-in-law, mm. and obviously married to one of Benny Hinn's daughters. And uh, so the Jesus image down there in Florida, that's, mm. that's another big draw for young people. Um, so, yeah, even though, like you said, guys like Benny Hinn himself and Kenneth Copeland, they're getting older. Uh, but you've got a, a whole new crop of young people that yeah. that are flocking to this movement. Uh, Andrew Womack, Caris uh, Bible College. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of these a lot of these big Word of Faith churches have Bible colleges. Now they're right. academically they're jokes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you'd be better off getting a degree out of a cracker jack box. But, but uh, <laughs> but there's a, they've got a huge draw a lot of young people go there. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, and you know one thing I've I've noticed is that the the younger preachers that have kind of risen in prominence they're they're the kind of the neo prosperity preachers because you know they've been influenced yeah. by the Kenneth of Copeland's and the Hagees and right. Duplantis. Isaiah stuff. Saldivar is another yes. one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, Isaiah War. Yep. yep, the deliverance stuff. Yeah, um, yeah,
0: yeah. So, yeah, let's let's talk about the deliverance ministry stuff because I've I've covered that a lot. Um, yeah, well, you know, one of the the most saddening things is you know you know uh, you know because they're 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 definitely word of faith to some extent, but also where I think they've kind of because you know I didn't hear this and maybe it, Kenneth Copeland and these guys did teach this that I was just unfamiliar with is they're big on demonology. Um, and you know Christians actually having demons. You, you talked about it earlier, where you know you got the demon of cancer, the demon of common cold. You know, the, it's like everything has a demon. Um, right. and, and one of the things I've actually um, called out about them is actually, you know, when you sin, it's ultimately they don't believe it's you're the problem, but rather there's a demon inside of you that made you do it. So you, you lust, you got yeah. a demon of lust. You're a liar. Right. You got a demon of lying. So you're not actually the right. problem. You got a demon in you that needs to be casted out. Uh yeah. any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is a very very dangerous teaching. It's it unbiblical. You know, just like you say if if you're if you're a if you're a drunk, it's because you've got the demon of alcohol and it's right. probably been passed through your bloodline. Right. Your great great, yeah. great 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 grandfather was a drunk and the demon of alcohol has just been, you know, passed through your bloodline and And you can't help it Um, (laughs) so you need to break the generational curses you need to cast out the demon of alcohol or the demon of pornography or whatever and Mm -hmm. all that is is a way of absolving people of the one responsibility that they actually have and that is to repent right so if you're if you're a drunk if you're if you're a liar you know in a habitual kind of a sense uh, if you're looking at porn it's not because you've got some demon you don't have a demon problem. You've got a sin problem Amen. and your responsibility is to repent. Amen. You know, not cast out. It, it, the devil didn't make you do it. Right. You made yourself do it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's half it's, the time.
0: Uh, the devil didn't even know about you. You know, it's like you, you're, you're just, <laughs> you're giving yeah. over to your own lust and desires, you know? And yeah, so, that's yeah, right. that's one of the things I've called out. Cause, I mean, I see it with all these guys. Um, and you know, and I don't know if you've ever seen these, uh, casting out demon sessions but oh yeah the best way i can describe it is these guys look like paid actors because it looks just so ridiculous yes
1: yeah (laughs) a lot of them are yeah
0: like i I was like man if you know i'm not into this stuff but it's like if i was i'd make it look a little better than that because it just looks fake you know you could say the same about some of these guys when they speak in tongues it just looks like man that's the last way i think about doing it you know yeah
1: I know exactly. I mean, at least takes at least take some acting classes or something. <laughs> it's, it's just so bad. Yeah. Uh, Catherine Crick. Oh yeah, Catherine Crick. She's another one. Daniel um,
0: Adams. You have if you are yeah. familiar with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yep. A lot of the Deliverance Ministry guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And when you watch these videos, Chris, something I am sure you've noticed this too. You've probably even talked about it, but uh, you watch them as they go from place to place, and you see the same people showing yeah. up. Yeah. in different locations <laughs> getting the same demon cast out of them like hold on wait a minute this is in this is in california but didn't i see a video of you from like pennsylvania a couple of weeks ago it's the same person yeah well
0: <laughs> yeah. one, one of the things that always you know has me like thrown off is like i don't know maybe maybe it's just me but right someone's getting a demon cast out and you have this whole crowd like standing just like three feet apart like i don't know maybe if i think i would be the La- that'd be the last place i would want to be if it was the actual demon around like yeah. I'd, I'd be getting out of there you know right <laughs> <laughs> but they're all like just standing observing watching like interviewing yeah. the demon it's like right. cnn demon right. channel time you know it's like strange
1: yeah yeah they they interview demons i mean it's just so bizarre it's so bizarre like um uh, and they say they come up with names of demons you yeah. know uh, this 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 demon is named uh you know whatever Cletus or whatever—that's that's this demon's name, Cletus. Why how do you know his name? Well, the demon told me. Yeah. Or or I've heard so like you're just gonna believe him. I mean. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I've heard like the marine spirit. They have like these aquatic yes. aquatic demon names. Right. Where I'm like, I don't even know how you guys even thought of that. Like,
1: you right? Know. Yeah. I know. There's there's this what was it, a sneaky squid spirit oh, yeah, and yeah. water demons and uh, <laughs> python spirit. Yeah, python uh, spirit. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. They have a whole zoo of demons. Yeah. I guess
0: all demons have names, but, um, what are some of the, uh, common pushbacks you get? Um, I have some interesting ones, but what are some of the common uh, pushbacks you get and maybe how do you
1: respond to those? Uh, one of the things that people say, Oh, Justin's just bitter. You know, I, I do these I teach against this movement because I'm bitter that I wasn't healed as a teenager. Mm. The only people that say that about me are people who don't know me. All right. And I don't mean that arrogantly, but sure. I, I'm I'm pretty confident if you were to talk to anybody who knows me on any level beyond that of my name, uh, I think bitter is probably about the last way mm-hmm. that they would describe me because uh, there's not a bitter bone in my body. I mean, I I recognize that if I have to live the rest of my life with several palsy, my condition. Um, that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. I've got all of eternity to live without it. So. Amen. Um, some people say I'm jealous. Oh, you're jealous because your ministry's not as big as, you know, Benny Hinn's or Kenneth Copeland. I'm <laughs> like, when I hear that, that's almost more laughable to me than the bitter thing because yeah. because I know, I know one day, Chris, I'm going to have to stand before a risen Christ mm-hmm. and give an account for what. I have done with the resources and the time and the abilities that he's given me and what I've done with his word, I'm going to have to give an account with how I have handled his word, and I tell you what, um, that that thought is never far from the forefront of my mind, and I do not fear, I I do not, um, excuse me, I do not, um, I am not envious, that's what I was looking for, I'm not envious of Benny Hinn or Mike Todd or any of these guys. In the least, Amen. because I fear for them. I mm. fear for them because one day they're going to have to give an account too. And I tell you what, I'm not perfect, but I, I don't give false prophecies. I don't teach heresies, and I sure don't uh, tell people if you give me money, God will heal you of cancer. I mean, I, they're going to have to give an account for all that one day. All right. I don't manufacture fake signs and wonders. So it's um that that's another pushback and. And, of course, you know, oh, you don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I've already dealt with that. Um, As a cessationist, I cede no ground in my pneumatology and my doctrine of the Holy Spirit to the charismatics. Amen. At all. Amen. At all. So, Yeah, it's
0: like you said. We're the ones that truly believe in the power of the Spirit, you know. Yes. Uh, One of the biggest critiques I get a lot, which I find funny because it's usually from— word of faith people, you know, prosperity preachers is I'm in it for clout, right? I'm just doing this for views and money. And I'm like, if I was doing this for views and money, I'd teach exactly what y'all are teaching, you know, like, (laughs) if like, to me, it makes no sense. I don't, I'm not up here begging for money each episode, you know, so I always find it funny. It's like the guy you're defending is actually the one doing that. Um, Right. So that one's always the most comical when I get that. So, yeah, I agree, man. I (laughs) Um, agree. Any good practical advice as we bring this to a close, any good practical advice for family members who are in word of faith? Maybe, man, uh, this could be all this is probably one. of This is where it gets real. Right. This is where it's probably the most challenging when you have. I still have family members who are involved in some of this. Listen to these guys. I see the posts, and it it manages. It's it's frustrating, you know, because you want you love your family. You want them to be saved. So what's some good practical advice you would give someone who's listening to this?
1: Yeah, um, great question. So, if you have a friend or family member in this movement, I would, I would encourage uh, start with something very simple and concrete. You know, I wouldn't automatically launch into, well, you know, it's rooted in the metaphysical cause, has a very aberrant view of you know Christology and the atonement, because they're not going to know what you're talking about. But start with something simple and concrete. And what I suggest is healing. And I say, well. Do you believe that it's always God's will to be healed? And if they're listening to one of these people, of course, they're gonna say, yes, well, sure it is. And then you say, okay, so what do we do with all of these faithful servants of God that we read about in scripture who were sick and were not healed? Mm -hmm. What do we do with Moses? Uh, uh, The Lord said to Moses, who has made man's mouth, who makes him dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it Mm -hmm. not I, the Lord, is it not I, Yahweh? What do you do with David? It was good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. Mm. What do you do with uh, Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 13 who died of a sickness? I mean, Elisha, we're talking Elisha, right? A great prophet. Double portion anointing of of Elijah even. And he died of a sickness. Mm. What what do you do with that? Uh, What do you do with Paul writing to Timothy? Take a little wine for your stomach and your frequent ailments. Uh, and Paul himself, yeah, with his eyesight, I, yeah. yeah, his eyesight. Mm-hmm. I believe that's probably what it was in mm-hmm. Galatians four, anyway. Mm-hmm. When when uh, Paul said uh, Galatians four verse thirteen, but you know that it was because of a bodily illness mm-hmm. that I came and preached the gospel to you the first time. So yeah. here you have Paul. This is this is the man who wrote, you know, about a third of the New Testament, and he was sick. Mm-hmm. So then they're going to have to make a decision. Who am I going to believe,
0: That's
1: right. you know, this prosperity preacher that I've been listening to or what I see in black and white right in front of me? All right. And um, this is going to sound kind of odd, but uh, what you're wanting to do is plant some seeds of doubt. We don't <laughs> often say, you know, the, you want to make the person doubt, <laughs> doubt what they've been taught and Amen. what they've always believed. And, uh, and then you're going to generally get one of two responses. Uh, and I've had both. People will, I'll show them some of these texts and uh, they'll say, well, I don't care what that says. And I'm like, well, okay, well, if, if you don't care what that said, if you don't care what you read, right in black and white in the word of God in front of you, then there's nowhere else to go from there. There's just, there's no other card to play because that is our authority. Right. So you, you talk about the weather, you talk about who won the ball game, but there's just no other card to play if they won't reason from the scriptures. Uh, on the other hand, I've also had people say this, and this is what you hope to see. They'll, they'll see these examples and they're, they'll respond like, wow, you know, uh, I don't know. I've, I've never really thought about that. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, if you sense some tenderness, if you sense some willingness on that, on the part of that person mm-hmm. to, reason from the scriptures, that's what you hope to see. And, Absolutely. and that's an opportunity to spend more time with that person and maybe then go into some of these more, um, you know, heretical doctrinal issues. And yeah. so you want to plant some seeds of doubt, as funny as that sounds, you want yeah. to plant some seeds of doubt in that person. No, that's, that's good
0: advice. Uh, especially with family, I would even encourage, Hey, be patient. Cause you're probably in it for the, for the long haul. You know, yeah. if it's if it's just a evangelism encounter, right? You have to be quick. Probably get to the most important issues. Um, but something yeah. like family or even a family friend, uh, it's maybe mm-hmm. a long long haul kind of missionary yeah. work that you're uh, mm-hmm. planting seeds right, right. in. You know, and so I mean, I think that's excellent advice, uh, brother Justin. Where where can people find you if they haven't heard of you?
1: Okay, sure, Chris. So they can go to my website, justinpeters.org, justinpeters.org. And um, all my stuff is there and contact information, preaching schedule and that kind of stuff. So yeah. resources I have. Yeah, available. Yeah. Well,
0: Justin, I appreciate uh, you coming on. I'm sure this will be helpful for many of my listeners. Again,
1: thank you for even blessing me with your time. I really appreciate it. Brother, it's an honor to be on your program, and uh, I appreciate what you do. You're doing great work, and I appreciate your channel. And uh, yeah, I hope I hope people will see this and and subscribe. So. Amen. Amen.